You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's. But before we do that, we have a couple things to go over. Uh, first of all, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it is not for children. No. The Bible, <laughs> neither the Bible nor the podcast yeah. is for the children. The Bible is very inappropriate for children. I love the children, but this, she is not for him. Um, I'm the one who was raised Christian, and I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible. And I was raised as a non-believing sort of Jew, and I'm reading the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Is that it? Unless you have some big news for me right now. I do actually have some big news for you, and it is that there is a third person in the studio today. I would like to introduce... Uh, raconteur, uh, Twitter celebrity, and my good friend Greg, aka at Laduke Violet. How you doing, Greg? Hey, hi everybody. It's good how, to be here. How do you pronounce your Twitter handle? Well, th- I don't know. I I've been told by French people that it's way off. I just say Laduke Violet, but okay. uh, Laduke Violet would Ooh, be how that maybe. Was, that was good. Well, no, but I had a French guy get very mad at me. Oh. That, so. <laughs> Thomas, <laughs> shut up. I've never had a French person get mad at me. Oh, lucky. Lucky you. That's rare. And live to talk about. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> it's a pretty sad story, actually. I thank you not to bring it up. All right, yeah. great. Moving on. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your uh, religious background. Well, I was raised Catholic. Um, I think that's that's how we pronounce it. Mm-hmm. In the that's how they say it in France. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, <laughs> in France. I was I was actually born and raised in San France, Isco. S- San France, Isco. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a, a good Catholic name for a city, if you ask me. It, it's the best. It's the Catholicist. Um, and uh, both my parents, Catholic, different kinds of Catholics. My dad is actually a theologian. Uh, I was a religious studies teacher. From... I was um, very shocked to learn that because your Twitter is unholy. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, it's part of a process. You get closer <laughs> to God. We'll talk about it with, okay. with okay. Joe, okay. but yeah, okay. it's, it's a trial. Um, and... Uh, my mom is uh, a kind of a Mexican mystic Catholic, so she she has all these kind of saints that she prays to, and that rules. They help me find parking spots. Mm-hmm. Saint Anthony, shout out! Oh, nice. I want a saint helping me find parking spots. Well, you can't, my dear. I live in San Francisco. <laughs> not how it works. Um, and you're perhaps. Well, not perhaps. You're definitely the most prepared guest we have ever had. Can you run us really quickly through all the materials that you've perused for well, today? <laughs> I perused the Extreme Teen Bible, 
and uh, the NIV Boys Bible, your ultimate manual. Not even kidding. It says manual. It literally says that on the cover. Uh, Zonder, also, Zonder Kids. D- describe the cover. The cover is riveted. It is like the bed of a Chevy. It is dripping with testosterone. <laughs> Boys Bible is written in what looks like mustard that has been flambéed. <laughs> oh, look yeah, like mustard. Yeah. And uh, it's butch. It's just butch. That's all I can say about it. There are literal rivets on the back. We should definitely get you a coaster for that because it is absolutely dripping masculinity. <laughs> yeah, and it smells disgusting. It's like a gym sock. Um, <laughs> and then so I started reading um, this book in Job, and I it was a little overwhelming. There's too many skateboards and uh, couldn't keep <laughs> what? my... What? Too many skateboards? <laughs> yeah, I know. How many, Usually... how many skateboards is the correct amount of skateboards to have in a Bible? Uh, I'm thinking... You 69. Know, yeah, just w- one or two per chapter. But this has, this has uh, one on each page pretty much. Uh, and so I, I switched to another resource that my lovely theologian father got me, Into the Whirlwind, a translation of the Book of Job by Stephen Mitchell. It looks really interesting. And um, it even has He's a... holding up like, um, it's like a battered copy. Mm-hmm. It looks like something that you find in your like high school library in the back. And it's like this really special book that like time forgot about. Or I was going to say you wander into the only English bookstore in Salzburg. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, and you're totally. Just like, looking for anything to read and you're like whoa what the hell is this and then it's got this like beautiful font inside and mm-hmm. like the the printing is all yeah it's all set in the middle of the page and it's um i just want to curl up inside of it it's an artifact of a bygone era they don't make them like this anymore um so it, <laughs> they make it, them with rivets now they yeah. got no yeah. now they're they're rivet riveted this is just riveting oh so. I, we mentioned it a couple times. What book are we reading this week? Oh, yeah, the Book of Job. Book of Job. And um, this is, it's a weird book in a lot of ways. First of all, it's like really far out of chronological order. Mm-hmm. We're going back in time to like sometime in the second millennium BC. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, we're going so far back in time that we're not even dealing with the Israelites. That's right. We're in the city of Uz. Yes. Job is an Uzite. Or a Uzi. I don't know. <laughs> He's the Wizard of Uz. <laughs> and um, we don't, the author is unknown. Okay. Um, my Bible has a note that says that the author probably had access to a tradition, oral or written, about an ancient righteous man who endured great suffering. Which makes <laughs> it sound like... What does that mean? I that's, don't know. That's so vague. That could be literally anybody. I know. It kind of made it, it sound you. like... Well, I am an ancient man, as we all know. But <laughs> ancient man, pretty lady. <laughs> it, it made it sound like it was almost acknowledging that it was not literally true, you know, mm-hmm. which my Bible has not done before. But then it did um, did follow it up with an extremely long essay, the longest intro essay in my Bible so far, trying to make sense of this fundamental question of why bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. And as far as this essay is concerned, we've solved it. Good. Like, yeah, we got it all wrapped up now. I'm glad they worked it out. Yeah. So um, that's going to do it for the episode, right? I mean... Uh, not quite, okay. because uh, my Bible also described it as having a, quote, sandwich literary structure. Uh-huh. Now, Sounds I delicious. have a master's degree in writing, and <laughs> I have never heard of Whoa. a sandwich literary structure. First of all, nice brag. Second of all, I got nothing. Okay, great. Um, all right. So we start with... Job. Yeah. Um, a man in the land of Uz mm-hmm. uh, who is super, quote, blameless and upright and also super rich. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting that he is not an Israelite, but he is a worshiper of the true God. Yeah. Which I thought, like, Uz was the city that Abraham left. That was Ur. Ur. Oh, how could I get Ur and Uz confused? <laughs> They're several letters apart, <laughs> alphabetically. It's true. Um, one thing to keep an eye on here is they kind of uh, go through a catalog of his possessions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That spoiler alert, that's going to figure in later. So just keep an eye on on that enumeration. Okay. Yeah. He's like stacked up with fucking. Yeah. Would you like to enumerate some of his uh, possessions for <laughs> well, us? He's got uh, seven sons, three daughters, uh, 7,000. Pretty good possessions. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that's a good start. 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, so if the Bactrian, then that would be... 6,000 humps. Wow, that's a lot of... Wait, no, is that dromedaries? I no, dromedaries is like a D, and Bactrian is like a B. Oh, beautiful. Okay, that's how you remember it. That's good. I'm going to forget. Uh, 500 yoke of oxen. <laughs> yeah, does that mean two, like, because they two to a yoke? I, I assume so. Or is so. it just one? I don't know. Do you, yeah. you measure cattle by the head and oxen by the yoke? Oh, so that's just one. I think it's one. Okay. okay. And 500 asses... Uh, and he was blameless, but he had many slaves. So this is... Yes. Um, now, does your um, amazing bygone book call them slaves? Yes. They are called slaves in the Mitchell. I see. Yeah. And servants in... The Mitchell is um, this book we were talking about earlier. It's by Stephen Mitchell. Yeah. Just the... So the listeners know. And he retranslated it from the original Hebrew himself, and he has some bones to pick. Uh-oh. <laughs> with, uh, with other bibbles. You know, I hear bibbles bobble, but they don't fall down. Who told you? <laughs> um, my Bible calls them servants, which... Really? Mine uh, definitely calls them slaves. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, yeah, mine... that That's interesting, because it does cast a more negative light on him from the very beginning, if he's a slaveholder. That's cool. <laughs> so, he's chilling with his thousands mm -hmm. of animals, and a couple kids. <laughs> and up in heaven or wherever... So one, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. Now, to flash back to an earlier episode where we talked about the etymology of the word Satan, mm -hmm. in the Hebrew, in the book, throughout the book of Job, he's referred to as Ha-Satan, meaning like the accuser or like the enemy. The adversary. Um, yeah. Um, but my Bible just translated, translates it as like the proper name, Satan. Hmm. What is yours? Have, Nico. Uh, it includes the includes a little note about that, but it's translated as Satan. And how about you? This right. guy's called the accusing angel, or also the accuser. Okay, the accuser. so that's yeah, that's the um, the like literal translation. And in this version of it, at this point in in time or whatever, Satan is actually he's like one of the angels, and he's like in charge of checking on the material plane or whatever, like just going around on Earth and looking at things. Is that true? That's what it seems to be. Like, he's he's there at the, like, you know, uh, all-hands staff meeting, and he's reporting what he's seen on the ground. I thought he kind of showed up at roll call unwanted. Hmm. And, and that's why God's like, well, where did you come from? Oh, I thought he was in charge of, like, of, like, patrolling the earth. It could be, because, I mean, then he says, like, I've been roaming the earth mm -hmm. up and down. It almost seems like they retroactively altered his status like because it sounds like when this was written he kind of worked for the big man right and then they maybe distanced themselves from that as satan became more of a adversarial figure could be um none of us did the research on that i guess i actually didn't it didn't even occur to me i was just like 
Yeah, it's Satan. He's bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean. That's why they call him Satan. Th- his name carries a lot of weight in this house. <laughs> I, saw, I, don't we, know, I don't know what that means. When but we pray to him yeah, every, yeah. <laughs> um, So God says, yeah, where have you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Satan, I Joe. <laughs> and you know, Satan says, I'm from the earth. <laughs> so Satan, Satan says. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, God says, have you considered my servant Job? Mm. Which I feel like he's so eager to brag that he like, actively puts job in harm's way hmm that's an interesting interpretation he like god's the one who brings job to satan's attention he's kind of throwing job under the the bus in a way what you you said that with the cadence of a pun yet i don't detect a double entendre there is no i was gonna say chariot <laughs> job of course is a long line from a long line of jebusites yes. uh, Jebus. the, the jebus yeah. there you go. throwing him under the uz <laughs> Okay, um, and Satan Satan replies that Job is only as upright and blameless as he is because God has made his life really good and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God, this is actually it's like God's idea too. Pretty much, like yeah. Satan doesn't say, "What if I? What if you let me do this?" God's like, "Okay, fine. Like, you think that's the only reason that he's righteous? Go ahead and take anything that he has. Just don't touch him." Just don't touch the man himself. Right. And uh, thus thus begins the calamity, calamities. Mm-hmm. So Job immediately gets a messenger runs up and tells him. This is this is such a strange scene. I know. It's so weird. So, so the first messenger says that Sabians stole all his 500 oxen and 500 donkeys, mm-hmm. or however much, and killed all the servants that were tending them. Mm. And then it says, like, while that messenger is still speaking, a second messenger arrives. And he says, the fire of God came down from heaven and killed all 7,000 sheep and all the shepherds. Mm -hmm. And while he's still speaking, another messenger comes in, says, the Chaldeans stole his 3,000 camels and killed all the camel herds. 6,000 hums. Yeah. And then a fourth messenger arrives again while the others are still speaking. (laughs) And says, is this um, overlapping dialogue like it's a uh, 20th century play? Or yeah, like totally. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're talking, but they're not listening. <laughs> uh, the last messenger says a mighty wind collapsed his son's house, Job's son's house, and killed all of his children who are all like chilling over there having a party. Yeah, they were drinking, having a, having a good time. Yeah, they're like doing a little barbecue. Mm-hmm. This is all like on the first page. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> been the first couple paragraphs. <laughs> We get a really good quote here when uh, Job starts lamenting. And I I like the translation. Uh, Naked I came into this world and naked I will leave it, Job says as he rends his garments. Yeah, he rends his garments and he shaves his head. Mm -hmm. Um, He says the Lord gave and now the Lord takes away. Yeah, uh, We call that pulling a river's Cuomo when you do that. You shave your head. Yeah. I don't get it. I didn't know that he shaved his head. He did. Yeah. He, He got upset, shaved his head and got naked. Oh. So Job is just copying. What do you think Job's favorite Weezer album is? Pinkerton. Pinkerton. Yeah. That's the, that's the only good one, that's right? That's pretty easy. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Satan shows up for a roll call again the next day. Yeah. Uh, and God says, where have you come from? Mm-hmm. And uh, he brags about Job again. And Satan says, well, he'd curse you if you'd let me, like, touch him. Right. Um, 
Like anyone can lose all their possessions. <laughs> sure. Any righteous man can lose everything they've spent their yeah. entire life building. And, and like including and, their children, <laughs> their and 10 not children. Curse God. Yeah. You know, that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. Um, and so then God says, fine, you can touch him. You just can't kill him. And Satan gives Job boils from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Now, Greg, I believe your um, radical skateboard Bible has some light to shed on this for us. It does, helpfully. I mean, it's trying to make this scene more relatable to teen boys. And, it's like uh, pre-teen boys, right? It's like... Yeah. It's like it, not, not really... It's the teen, It's speaking to the teens in all of us, so... Our, our inner teens? Yeah. Uh, so there's like... I guess there's like a splatter of pus in like neon orange and it says gross with an exclamation point. Job had horrible, painful, festering sores, probably boils, covering every part of his body. Job 2-7. He sat in a heap of oven ashes that had been dumped behind his house, scraping the pus out of all his boils with broken pieces of pottery. Then there's a picture of a skunk. There is? There is. Oh, my it's God. It's very cute. Yuck. Ew. Extreme. Oh, it is. It's cute. It's like a little um, emoji-looking type of skunk <laughs> in orange. So, thank you, Bible. Pus smells gross. <laughs> um, yeah, so they- I hate so oven ashes. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> he scrapes himself with pot shards. Mm -hmm. Um and now his wife makes an appearance. She uh this is the, her only line in the whole book. <laughs> yeah. And she says, "Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die." Right. So, I mean, that seems pretty harsh first of all. But I, th I feel like we have to remember that she has also lost everything. Yeah. That she lost all her wealth and her 10 children also. The only, like, she doesn't have boils head to toe, so, mm -hmm. like, but... We don't know that. She may or may not have... You're right. It does not explicitly say that she doesn't. No proof that she doesn't have boils head to toe. So she's maybe, like, a little bit better off than Joe, mm. but, like... Mm, I don't know. Her her life's pretty shitty right now, too. Definitely. And also, nobody cares about her. And what does it mean to give up your dignity and die? So that's her plan, I don't know. right? Yeah. I, that's her plan. I guess. She's like, join me, give up our dignity, and die. Let's just do and it. Curse God and die, meaning like if you curse God, he'll immediately kill you, or like, I don't know. Just like give up on your on your grasp of life, you know, just like throw it away. I don't know. A it's a weird, it's weird. Does the, uh, does the boys' Bible tell us anything? Wives are gross. Girls yeah, are gross. I think that's just the subtext here. Uh, that her opinion is worthless and she is just reflexively sinning against God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the, the subtext of almost all the women characters in the Bible. But mm -hmm. uh, Okay, so then his three friends show up. Job's three friends. He's got a little united nations of friends from different city-states. We've got Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite... And Zophar the Namathite. Bildad the Shuthite. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was from Hobbiton, but... Yeah. Just... I thought it was like... It sounds like the setup to like a dad joke, you know, like Bildad, like, oh, hi, dad, I'm Bill, or whatever. Like, hi, Bill, Ooh, I'm Yeah, dad. it's in there somewhere. It's you just got to mine it out. Let's workshop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Next episode, we'll have all the kinks worked out of this. Um, and Pink's great band. Dave Davies. <laughs> Both of you are fired. <laughs> Um, he, so they, they do, they grieve with him for seven days, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just like, um, grieving. Yeah. They're that just there's... patting him on the back. Yeah. Or I, I guess maybe. No, they just sit down in the, in the dust. In the ashes. There's yeah. no eating, no pooping. Just seven days. 
Those are the main two details that you were hoping to see personally. <laughs> Needs to be more of that in the Bible. Okay. Um, so then he, uh, Job starts, Job starts. He starts cur- rapping. Starts rapping. Yeah. And he starts cursing the day that he was born and, and saying that he wishes he was stillborn. Um, but I guess that doesn't quite count as like cursing God. No, he's just self-pitying, I guess. Yeah. Which um, is not a sin. My favorite quote from that is, may those who curse days curse that day. <laughs> well, okay. That's, they seem like the right people to do it. If you're already cursing days, just throw this <laughs> you in. throw this one in there. Uh, my favorite quote from here, and in the Mitchell translation, it's fantastic. Why were there knees to hold me, breasts to keep me alive? Yes. Mine had that same... Why is light given to one in misery and life to the bitter in soul who long for death, but it does not come and dig for it more than for hidden treasures? And we should say that um, the narration has like cut off and now we're in like poetry. Like it's. Oh, yeah. We in it. It's like paginated like poetry. There's line breaks and everything. And that's going to be for the next 39 chapters in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't expect it. Didn't see it coming. I thought we were in for a narrative story of some kind, not like a I, symposium style you know, I, clash of ideologies. I knew there was like this symposium mm-hmm. type of thing in it vaguely, but I really thought, I thought that was going to be like maybe half of it. Mm. I didn't realize it was going to be all of it. I thought like the calamities were going to take up more than, like, we just get those out of the way really fast. Mm-hmm. There's like Four page messengers. one. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom. Yeah, that's a lot of messengers. Um, so so now he, he curses the day he was born, and uh, his friend Eliphaz the Temanite so responds with uh, more poetry. So the essential structure of this poetry section is basically like Job says a thing, and then one, one of, of his, his friends one of his friends will try to like— Refute it. Refute it, yeah. And then Job will have a rejoinder, and then somebody else will have a different opinion on it, et cetera, et cetera, and they go back and forth. So this starts out, this is, this is the very first one, Eliphaz the Temanite, and it starts out, if someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? It's like, dude, why are you so rude? <laughs> like, they, this man his, just lost everything, and he's like, um, can I talk? His friends really jumped the fuck down his throat. Yeah. I mean, they, I know they have been, like, sitting around in ashes for seven days, <laughs> so I do want to acknowledge that. That's, like, pretty good friendship. That is good. I, I think you're being a little too harsh. As the Extreme Teen Bible says, ignore for a moment that Job's friends ended up giving some pretty lame advice. <laughs> Focus on what they did when they heard their friend was suffering. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and comfort him. They didn't just say, wow, hope he's okay. And they didn't just hang out for a few minutes. They felt so much pain for Job that they sat on the ground with him for a week, saying nothing. So, I, I mean, thank you, Bible. Thank you. Um, that was riveting. Um, so then, neither extreme nor teen. <laughs> I guess if you Google extreme teen, you're going to get something slightly different than that. But It's not for teens. I had the teen version of this Bible that was gender neutral. This doesn't know who it's for. It's I mean, for... there's a different intern writing everything. The, the tone is just so wildly. Can you imagine being the, the poor schlub who had to do the uh, the gross call-outs? It's called call-outs in publishing, right? Yes, that is, yeah, it's called call-outs. Fucking nailed it. That would be the most soul-sapping thing ever. No, I think that guy loved it. <laughs> he was like... What kind of skunk graphics do we got? <laughs> Let me scroll up the old skunk graphic yeah. folder. See what we got in here. 
Um, so Eliphaz's argument is basically that Job must have committed some sin. Right. He was like, just because you think you're blameless doesn't mean you are. Otherwise, God wouldn't be punishing you like right. this. And you have to think like, it's not just like some bad luck. Mm -hmm. It's everything. He loses literally everything in like five minutes, which does seem like someone did this on purpose. You know, like you can mm -hmm. definitely. You which is would, true. Someone did do it on purpose. Yeah, you would definitely know that there was like a divine hand there. Um. And then, then we return to Job, and Job responds and says um, that his he says Eliphaz's speech is useless. He says, uh, "Is tasteless food eaten without salt, or is there flavor in the white of an egg?" Because that's what Eliphaz's speech is like to him. Mm -hmm. It's just like tasteless food. There's a lot of irony in the in this book too, like people saying saying a ironic lot of sarcasm. Things. Yeah, yeah. Job says uh, in this section, "How forceful are honest words." Which is not true. I mean, like he doesn't—he right. doesn't believe Eliphaz, but he's like kind of slamming him a yeah. little bit. It's a minor slam. Um. So then Bildad takes his turn. After that, Job has like a brutally sad little speech. Oh yeah. In, yes. in chapter seven, which has some some of the saddest damn stuff I ever heard. Billy Corgan, eat your heart out. <laughs> yeah. But also very nicely written. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and come to their end without hope. Uh, how about, uh, will you not look away from me for a while? Let me alone until I swallow my spittle. Wow. Yeah, he's deep in it. The teens are loving this. Oh, in yeah. my Bible, they are, this part they're really identifying with. They're I mean, scrawling that's this the kind their... of shit I liked as a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, imagine, imagine quoting some of this as talk back to your, to your Sunday school person. <laughs> Sunday school person? That's what they're called. Yep. Mm-hmm. SSP, designated SSP. Raising your hand and saying, man's life is a prison. He is sentenced to pain and grief. <laughs> uh, man's life is a prison. He is sentenced <laughs> to pain and grief. Duh. Um, yeah, so then Bildad um, says a bunch of the same stuff, like, um, surely God does not reject a blameless man or strengthen the hands of evildoers. Well, this time he strengthened the hands of Satan himself. So maybe you're wrong, Bildad. They're also arguing that, like, his kids must have committed some sin that he doesn't know about. Oh, yeah. He's like, well, your kids died, and God wouldn't let someone die for no reason. However, they did state at the beginning of the book that he always, like, Job, as part of his righteousness, he always does, like, sacrifices for his children at the end of the day. In mm -hmm. case. Yeah, just in case they'd sinned and he didn't know about it. Now, that's a good dad. So the kids are, the kids are blameless. We know that that's not the problem. Um, Bildad also points out that the hope of the godless shall perish. Did you know that? I mean, that's not inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good book for hope. There's a lot. Of, hope gets slammed a few times. Yeah, in this that's book. true. That's true. It kind of sounds like the right wing comment sections in 2008. There's a lot of anti hope. Mm. So, yeah. So then that so that's the basic structure of the next they just take turns. So it goes Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and then in between, Job um, responds to all of them. Sure. So so the argument of the buddies is it progresses from, you know, you must have done something wrong, even if you think you didn't, to basically being like, God's freedom and power makes him incomprehensible. Yes, it does. It does shift. Um, but Job also, his arguments also shift. They do. To become, instead of being like, oh, I hate my life and I want to die, 
they become more about like i was so righteous i never did anything wrong and now god's punishing me and i don't know why job calls to his friends and and says all of you are worthless physicians your maxims are proverbs of ashes slam take that yep that's a that's a harsh slam after sitting in ashes for seven days that is not how to do it (laughs) uh i like when job says even little boys scorn me (laughs) yeah that was a strange turn (laughs) Even little boys, the shittiest animal in the world. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the worst thing there could be. My Bible makes no comment on that. Doesn't want to touch it. Uh, Zophar. Slagging the core demo over here. <laughs> Zophar has interesting thoughts on uh, zoology. He says, but a stupid man will be wise when a cow gives birth to a zebra. Oh. Yeah, I like oh. that. Like the image, buddy. Well, based on the Bible, you'd need to like just paint the cow in stripes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. And then their children will be zebras. Yes. Yeah solve that one that was easy Boom. what did we say was never, never gonna happen until that happened oh a wise man will never be who cares <laughs> a stupid man will be wise okay great yeah. so we just solved stupidity in the world uh also uh in one of his defenses of himself he says uh one man dies in full vigor his body well nourished his bones rich with marrow another man dies in bitterness of soul never having enjoyed anything good side by side they lie in the dust and worms cover them both I just really like how he was like jealous of this guy's bone marrow. <laughs> what marrow? Have you seen? Look, if you've if you've seen top quality marrow, <laughs> you, you never know. forget it. No, <laughs> you spend your whole life chasing after that. Mm-hmm. Healthy marrow. Job says, "My eye has grown dim with grief." Bildad follows it up with, "The terrors of death surround him and make him piss in his pants." What? Really? Mine doesn't yeah. say that. Well, Mitchell's got. Uh, he he gets juicy and he thinks right, that's so what the Hebrew says. What what do the little what do the skateboard boys say? Skateboard boys decide to go a different direction. I was kind of shocked about that, um, but uh, their Bildad is not quite as extreme. <laughs> he's 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 like a Bill Uncle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite sections in here is also metal as hell, and it goes something like this: If I say to the pit, "You are my father," and to the worm, "My mother or my sister." Where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? Will it go down to the bars of Sheol? Shall we descend together into the dust? Nice. That's straight up a Slayer lyric, I yeah, think. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they, they lean heavily on Job. Um, the, this Extreme Teen Bible wants to help people along in this passage, so it's, it's, it's helping explain, get a load of this! And then there is a skateboard with a scorpion on it, mm. and it says... Wait, wait, wait. Are you... Are you making that up? Is there really a skateboard? I, I, here you go. As Job is okay, my witness. There's literally... A scorpion. Maybe well, a actually, lobster. Yeah, it kind of looks like a crab. <laughs> a delicious crab creature. <laughs> Wait, how could, how screwed up could it be that it's, you can't tell? It's pinchy. It's there's there's pincers on it, so. What the fuck is that? <laughs> it looks like a frog with claws. It's a crab. Uh, yeah. It's a crab. But why is a crab riding a skateboard? <laughs> it's not riding Scorpions it. Scorpions are more extreme. I agree. But uh, they're also quite dangerous for young men to, to be poking yeah, around with. Yeah, you should not be having one on your skateboard. What, like, you think my, crabs my are safe? <laughs> He is banished from the world. What is this? Exile to Pluto? Being shipped off to a prison colony on a fourth moon of Neptune? Actually, as you probably guessed, it's talking about someone leaving this world by dying. (laughs) Ah, Thank you. I'm glad we (laughs) worked that one out. Okay. Uh, On that note, I think it's time to take a little break. Okay. Uh, Refresh our drinks and... uh, Look, I know what we do during a break. Okay. Don't tell me. Um, Listeners, please... Refresh your drinks as well, unless you're driving, in which case don't, because that's against the law. 
And uh, we'll be back to talk more about the Book of Job in a minute or so. Okay. We'll see you in a second. Okay. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we have with us in the studio one Greg, or at LeDuke Violet. Oh, hi, hi. <laughs> and uh, we're talking about the book of Job. Yes. So, so far, uh, these fellows, they've been talking. Job and his buddies. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And they've been going back and forth, trying to convince each other that they're right. Basically, the, the buddies are trying to convince Job that... Uh, you know, him railing against God for this injustice is a bad decision. And that he must have done something to deserve this punishment. Something. Alternatively, that, like, the crime that he committed was, you know, unknowable by humans because of the justice of God is unknowable or whatever. Anyway, the point is that they changed their arguments as they go. Yeah, so they start out just saying, like, well, you must have done something wrong, Yeah, no one, is, no one is punished for nothing. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but then, then they start getting into, like, some... Very weird sort of arguments. Um, Can a man be of benefit to God, says Eliphaz? What pleasure would it give the Almighty if you were righteous? What would he gain if your ways were blameless? So it's weird because I like kind of agree with it, Mm -hmm. weirdly. Um, Like if God is all powerful, then why does he need a stupid ape down on earth? Like being righteous you know right like what does that matter to him but like to me that's an argument for atheism Mm -hmm. and to him it's an argument for like i don't know being a dick to his friend (laughs) yeah i don't know what the i mean it it seems like these fellows are trying to convince themselves just as much as job i mean they're the ones having the having the argument they're they're faced with unrefutable proof that like a you know a righteous man can be brought low for no reason they don't want to accept it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very difficult thing to accept. And Job doesn't want to accept it either. Nobody wants to accept it. So Job then increasingly, um, he starts emphasizing all the ways that he's righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just being like, oh, I'm so sad. I hate my life. I wish I was never born. He starts being like, I um, did everything right. And here's all the awesome stuff I did. Yeah. And it's unfair of God to punish me. I don't understand if that counts as like, cursing god right like that was the bet no, he never gives up he never gives up on god that was what satan was trying to make him do he never says like god doesn't exist Mm-mm. or whatever but like he says that it's unfair what god is doing to him he, he's protesting his innocence he said says for he knows that i am innocent if he sifts me i will shine like gold my feet have walked on his way and never strayed from his path i've kept all his commandments treasuring his words in my heart so He's basically saying, like, I've done everything right, and I know it, and I'm not moving from this from this statement. Like, I will not pretend like I effed up. Yeah. Like, his response to the idea that, like, who, like, why, why would your actions matter to God? 
he kind of responds by talking about all the injustices in the world. He says, the fatherless child is snatched from the breast. The infant of the poor is seized for a debt. And um, my Bible's notes say here, perhaps his suffering has enabled him to empathize with the poor. Which I feel like if he couldn't empathize with the poor before... But among the things that he brags about, well, it doesn't necessarily brag about. He but, starts bragging about them after this moment. Hmm. But but keep going. Among those is he says he treats his slaves kindly or treats his slaves well or whatever, which is like, according to the notes in my Bible, above and beyond the humanitarian needs of a of a righteous person. <laughs> <laughs> Bildad says, kind of building on Eliphaz's uh Thesis says, how then can a man be righteous before God? If even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes, how much less man who mm -hmm. is but a maggot? Mm -hmm. Now, I think that he's supposed to be wrong about this, right? Like, I think it's I think it's it's ambiguous. It's ambiguous because I feel like this is a really big part of Christian doctrine, mm -hmm. at least how I was raised. That the righteousness of a man is of equal worth to the shining of the moon or whatever? No, that humans are intrinsically sinful mm. and it's impossible for us to be righteous and everyone's a sinner and deserves to go to hell. But the reason that some of us go to heaven is because God sacrificed his son for us, even though we are not worthy and could never do – like could never even come close to deserving that kind of grace. God still gives it to us because that's how merciful he is. Mm. And, and this probably incites Job more than any other speech. Like his response to Bildad in chapter 26 – is the sassiest, teeniest, <laughs> like most triple snapping Job that we get. He just, he says, how kind you all have been to me. How considerate of my pain. What would I do without you and the good advice you have given? <laughs> Who has made you so tactful and inspired such compassionate words? Like he's giving them yeah. just full on indignant teen. And uh, my Bible should say, come on, teens. You can do better than this, but it, it, it goes silent as it does with most of this stuff. It just it just ignores it. I really sympathize with Job's argument in this section when he's when he's arguing against them. He says, like, I look at it and I don't see how it makes any sense. I'm a righteous person and I'm pu being punished like an unrighteous person. Mm -hmm. And I just want to lawyer my case. He's yeah, like, I he, just want somebody to hear this. He's he like, I don't lawyers. I don't lot. want justice. I don't want, you know. Uh, to like forsake god i don't want to leave god i don't want anything to be different i just want it i just want someone to hear it and he's like the thing he's terrified most of is that is an invisible judge you know one who can who never even hears whether something is just or unjust and i'm like wow that's a fucking heady problem um and then he starts talking about I rescued the poor who cried for help mm -hmm. and the fatherless who had none to assist him. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I broke the jaws of the wicked. <laughs> I was like how many jaws has he broken in his life? You know, what's weird about this also from a Christian perspective mm -hmm. is that like Jesus is supposed to be the only righteous person. Mm. Like the only blameless person that ever existed is Jesus. But then like Job is being cast as blameless also. I just like, and maybe Mary, like, I don't know, maybe Mary counts in Catholicism, too, because the Immaculate Conception or whatever. I don't Yeah, conceived without sin. Good for her. Um, that was not part. Mary was, like, not a thing for in Protestantism. Oh, really? Because we were all about the Mary. Right, yeah. No, like, like, Protestants don't care about Mary at all. I had pictures of Mary, like, above my bed so I wouldn't masturbate. Probably. I'm guessing that's why she was there. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that work out for you? No, I thought she was, she was pretty good looking. <laughs> 
I, I think it yeah backfired. But uh, speaking of uh, fodder <laughs> for this, this whole podcast has been leading up to this moment. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> speaking of fodder for onanism, there is this completely non sequitur uh, extreme teen Bible tidbit here. It Ooh. says, "Get a load of this with spirals on the skateboard, so no scorpions." Oh this no! Time. Where did the crab go? Uh, <laughs> is he okay? I don't know. That crab is dead, honey. <laughs> I'm sorry that you had to, it, had to learn this way. Get a load of this. Check out Job 28 9 to 10. Cool. There were miners even way back in Job's day. Picture muscle man miners sweating like crazy underground <laughs> looking what? for gold oh, and diamonds. God. It can be like that when looking for nuggets and gems of wisdom in the Bible. Have you ever worked that hard to mine gold from God's word? Oh my God. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> I actually did note all the mining metaphors. I said that I. I wrote down that I thought the author may have had a background in metallurgy because it like really went into detail about the mining. So this mining thing is actually this is the beginning of this of a poem that's like not really related to the other discussion that was going on. It's like this it's this poem on the acquisition of wisdom. Yeah, uh, searching searching for gold nuggets in God's wisdom. That's right. So it's like it's like a meditation on how one finds wisdom. It's some very mystical stuff. Yeah, it is. It's getting like further and further removed. It's getting more and more theoretical. Mm. I love that at the end of that poem, they just answer the question. Like, oh, well, what's the answer? Uh, the answer is the fear of the Lord is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding. Cool. There you I, have it. I was going to note that around here, it starts, every chapter starts with, and Job continued his discourse, <laughs> which is like, you know, hashtag the discourse. Job's, Job's up in it. I don't understand your hashtag jokes, and I want to buy them. <laughs> Nico doesn't have a Twitter. Listeners, could you, like, send a bunch of emails to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol and tell Nico to get a Twitter? It doesn't even have to have your name on it. Like, Greg isn't my real name <laughs> at all. My name is unknown ancient man familiar with ooze. <laughs> I've been trying for nine I years. Don't Actually, like, I don't like these bullying tactics. Okay. <laughs> That's what Twitter is really all about. Actually, yeah. Then you might not like Twitter. It's like having three friends coming, sitting in the ashes around you and just hectoring you for seven days. Like, that is Twitter. Job was the first cyberbullied. <laughs> is cyberbullied a noun now? It's, I'm adulting over it's here. Like... So after the poem on the acquisition of wisdom, uh -huh. Job describes the good old days. He says, when my steps were washed with milk and the rock poured out of me, for me, oh my god! <laughs> no, that was that was when he was in that band in high school. Man, the the rock, rock poured, poured out, out of me, man. Weezer, <laughs> the licks—they just came so easily. Then he describes his fall from from grace when God decided to take everything away from him. God has loosed my bowstring and humbled me. I am a brother of jackals and a companion of ostriches. He says ostriches are a very ridiculous beast. I'm not sure if you knew this. That's true. They have feathers, but they can't fly. <laughs> Where was God when that one was created, they huh? Also, they also just lay their eggs on the ground where anyone can step on them. Dum -dums. They do? They don't make a nest? I think they probably make a nest. Oh, okay. I also think they're implying uh, another affliction for Job, because this sounds familiar to me. My innards boil and clamor. I mean, I think he had a little IBS going on, too, you which know, is insult to injury. It's a very undignified... Um... Indig adding indigestion. To <laughs> adding indigestion. That's good. Um, so Job names all of the crimes he didn't commit when he was alive. Yes. Are you are you at chapter 31? Yes. Chapter 31 is like devoted to the 
his sexual chastity. Mm -hmm. It says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door, then may my wife grind another man's grain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that what your Bible said, Nico? I think mine said something about having another man kneel over his wife. Yeah, my non-Bible gets into it and the says, may grind between her thighs. Whoa. What? Yeah, so this so that's is... That's like the other version of grind. too hot for TV. Yeah, I know. Now, this what, one... what does the Scorpion Bible say? <laughs> the Scorpion Bible. That sounds awesome. <laughs> the Scorpion Bible ignores it and says, uh, focuses on Job's uh, mud adventure. Job, gross, check out. Job 3019. Job said, he throws me into the mud. This just goes to show you that Job was smart, sure, but he was no pro at mud wrestling, and for sure he was too skinny for sumo mud wrestling. Snake. There's a snake. He was starving himself. Wait, why was he... Doesn't seem like it's in good taste. It doesn't say how much he weighed. Well, he wasn't eating, so you presume he was not... Well, I guess. Up to the standards of a... But, like, he had, like, unlimited meat beforehand. Maybe it was... Yeah, I mean, it takes well a while for that so to what does that have to do with anything? I don't know. <laughs> it's gross. Sumo. What <laughs> what word does it use, though? Like, uh, does it say grind another man's grain? But his, it, the rest of it is just the NIV. Yeah, so it's it's, yours. it says, yeah, no, the same. Grind another man's grain, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because then the next line, I think, in mine was like, made she sleep with another man or something. And grind another man sleep with her. Grind, yeah. grind and grind another man's <laughs> grain. Hashtag surfboard. <laughs> Um, I also like if I have regarded the sun in his radiance or the moon moving in splendor so that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage. Like he has to he has to specify that he never worshipped the sun or moon. Mm -hmm. Thought that was interesting. Well, I mean, back in old times, I guess that's kind of a big deal. Also, uh, if the men of my household have never said who has not had his fill of Job's meat. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) But yeah, his... Sexual hangups are like pretty extreme. <laughs> like even desiring a person uh, or uh, desiring a woman is akin to committing adultery for him. Well, it is. Uh, I mean, that's in the Ten Commandments. There is a. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Wow. There is a section in the Extreme Teen Bible that expands on this. I don't need to read it. I think you can imagine what's in it. I just want to read you the title. Get stronger is the category, and lust is not my game. Is the title. <laughs> lust is not my game. <laughs> lust is not my game. And there is a strong arm with a barbell. Oh, nice. So it's basically saying take out your sexual frustration via CrossFit. And this CrossFit was before the new CrossFit. Mm-hmm. This is the original CrossFit with the. Oh, Savior. with the with the cross. Fit. Yeah, crucifix. No, crucifix. Crucifit. Crucifix. Crucifix. Yeah, crucifix. <laughs> we have a new thing. <laughs> you get Jesus abs. Hey, uh, if any any uh, brands want to partner with us on this one, <laughs> get cut. <laughs> Not by a crown of thorns. But that's the same Bible. That's that's the same Bible that told us to imagine all those miners down there sweating, <laughs> looking for God's wisdom among all the. It's it's telling us to redirect our anger away Look. from women who can get pregnant and towards sweaty miners. Who has not had his fill of Job's meat? Just work out a bunch and imagine a bunch of sweaty men. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> Way ahead of you, Bible. <laughs> I, I, that one seems a little half-hearted to me. That particular call out, um, like, I know the person who wrote it is not strong. Like the person who wrote it is not into working out. 
I mean, he, it's aspirational. He's writing <laughs> what he wishes he could do. He's just like, what are men supposed to do? I don't know. The unknown author. I make author. call outs for children's <laughs> Bibles. <laughs> Back in the book. Oh, yeah. The speeches end. Um, yes. For a moment. The discourse mm-hmm. pauses. Because someone else speaks up. Yes. Someone who was there all the time, I yes. guess. Or was just written yeah, in after like, the fact. He was like listening in. And it's a fellow named Elihu. 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 It means, well, Eli means my God. Okay. And who means he. Also, he means she. And me means who <laughs> in Hebrew. Ah. Uh, Lauren, Who's you're fired. First? I'm sorry. <laughs> hate to break it to you, but... Um, so, but it's just like, uh, my God, he. Mm-hmm. There you have it. Elihu has got to talk. He says he's like a bursting wineskin. <laughs> That's he's been listening to all this shit. That's and, a great metaphor. And he just has to he just has to say something. And he didn't say anything earlier because he's the youngest and he wanted to show respect for his elders. Mm-hmm. But, but he's he, then... so mad because like he's listening to Job say incorrect things and he's listening to his friends fail to convince him. Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't doing it. What are you looking at? Oh, it's uh, the, this guy started moving for some reason. Oh, Alihu, oh, he's been here the whole time. <laughs> Sorry, guys. He's got a couple things to say. His his speech is so riveting. Uh, Into the whirlwind skipped it entirely. Just completely really? excised Elihu. There's there's some issues with the uh, with Elihu and his like speech placement or whatever. Oh, maybe he was added in after the fact. That's one of the things that people think. So mm. I think like maybe if Mitchell had some concerns about. If he was working from, like, the original or whatever. Yeah. Or something like that. The OG Job. Look, me and the unknown author go way back, and Elihu was added in. <laughs> in post. CGI. Yeah. <laughs> Hologram. Yeah. Uh, Elihu, Elihu, his argument is, I am pure and without sin. I am clean and free from guilt, yet God has found fault with me. And, like, that can't be right because God always knows best. He says, oh, that Job might be tested to the utmost. Like, what more can Job be tested with? <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing left to test him with. Like, it's the utmost. There are other kinds of maggots that could afflict him. I mean, new breeds. I mean, they could, like, kill his wife, too. But <laughs> she's just <laughs> over there nagging him all the time. Be... She is the affliction, folks. <laughs> Ooh. And then... All of a sudden, God butts in. Yes. God was there the whole time, too. Well, yeah. I mean, he's always at everywhere all the time. And God is the most cryptic of the lot. Well, he's also... No, not lot. Job. <laughs> oh, shit. He's also very sarcastic. He is. He's quite sassy. He, he's, he leads off with, what, bitch? <laughs> he says, where were you when I laid the Earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand... Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. And then he asks, did you create the first man? Did you start the sun on its traverse and around the world? I, I have to say, this is, he uses the exact same language as Bildad in mm-hmm. 25. Yeah, totally. Like, this is, God's ripping off Bildad. Like, he can't even think <laughs> can't of even his think own rebuttals. Uh, does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? Hmm. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? (laughs) Do you watch when the doe bears her font? Like, God's really into childbirth. There's a lot of gynecology. Do you count the months till they bear? 
Do you know the time they give birth? No, I don't know about when animals give birth. <laughs> we can move I on. I think God is like an animal obstetrician. I think that's what he's trying <laughs> like to tell veterinarian. us. veterinarian. I think it's supposed to be that he, he sets things in motion. You know, he like. This is very detailed. You can delegate a couple yeah. things. Like there's got to be like, hey, Elihu can handle the animal births for now. Like he has all those angels like doing roll call every day. Send one of them down. Yeah. You can tell a lot uh, about a boss by what he decides for himself mm. he's like uh i'm gonna handle this one guys what he micromanages or what he delegates Apparently he's into yeah. mountain <laughs> mountain goat births um and the job is immediately chastened it's his um i am unworthy i put my hand over my mouth um but god keeps going and says uh would you condemn me to justify yourself uh oh and then he talks about the leviathan which is like a, i love this section he talks about behemoth and and Leviathan. Which are like monsters. His two um, greatest creations. And so the, the behemoth is for the land and it's the Leviathan. Behemoth? Uh, whatever. It's both. When I was a kid, it was a behemoth for me, so. <laughs> I, potato, potato. Was, was that a pun that I didn't get or? No, I was what I thought it oh, was. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just a big moth. I thought it was like Mothra. I was very um, was a stupid child. I was child. hanging out with a kid earlier Mothra, today. Who, Mothra. who pronounced, you know those Funko Pop vinyl toys? Yeah. He Funko called them... Pop vinyl toys? Yeah, you're not on Twitter. You don't need to worry about it. But They've been decimated. That's all you need to know. <laughs> he had a bunch of them. He's a little kid. It's fine. And he called them Pop Vinyls. Vinyls. I mean, that makes sense. I do. I mean, I... I was... Too bad Vinyl got canceled. I was really wanted to see where they were going. I wonder, was the lead character going to do cocaine and get angry and sweat? Hopefully. Um, before we go on about the Leviathan, I just yes. got to share the Extreme Team Bible. The, the scorpion's back, folks, and oh. he is better than ever. Oh, my ever. God, let me look. Let me look. He's back, Frank and he's it. chittering at you. He says, Lord, I missed oh, you. Oh, he's the same. Uh, still well, a crab. I think he he's looks still, I mean, scorpion is still a crab. Honestly, if it's a scorpion, it's like a really buff scorpion. It's buff. No, <laughs> it, it was bracing itself. It, it was following been, the advice. He's been working in the mines yeah. looking for nuggets of wisdom. Yeah. Get a load of this. Check out Job 41. What have we got here? Leviathan? What is this monster? One theory, that it's a giant crocodile. Other Bible scholars think it was a giant prehistoric sea monster of some kind. And the fiery dragon breath, wow, now that's wild. <laughs> I really like how the this is trying to convince you like that that monsters and dragons are cool. Like, like you need to go to the Bible to get your monster and dragon content. <laughs> Forget Game of Thrones. <laughs> God mentions one in passing here. <laughs> it's so cool. Well, he actually kind of goes into a uh, lot of detail about it. It's well, not really in passing. That's, that's he's true. very proud of he's very proud of his creation. Yeah, he's like really into Leviathan, and, and he says, "Can you make a pet of him? Also, it's a him. Can you make a pet of him like a bird, or put him on a leash for your girls?" What? What does yours have? It's got the same. Mine's got the same. Oh, mine has the same thing. I'm I'm checking my book, and I got the same thing over here. <laughs> Uh, the folds of his flesh are tightly joined. They are firm and immovable. Yeah, we've all played Shadow of the Colossus. We know what it's like. Behind oh, him, he leaves yeah. a glistening wake. One would think the deep had white hair. Um, the Mitchell is going into the ball and penis area okay. real deep. I've I've heard of that area before. So <laughs> Mitchell throws <laughs> but, it down. But please educate mouth. me. And God, we know he loves the mountain goat vagina. He's also a large fan of Leviathan penis. He says his penis stiffens like a pine. His testicles bulge with vigor. What? Okay. What is the chapter and verse on that? I want to see precisely oh, what mine has. Yeah, we're at forty-one. No, we're at. Oh gosh, we're at forty. Uh, chapter forty. No, no, it's 41. Leviathan's a 41. Oh, no. 
<laughs> My Bible's messed up. Greg needs his medicine. <laughs> oh, did it? Where, is where it different because of balls? Is it different because of Elihu or? No, it's the part that starts with, look, the beast before you. He eats grass like a bull. Look, the power in his thighs, the pulsing sinews of his belly. That's behemoth. Oh, jeez, Louise. God, the the Leviathan and behemoth mixed up again. Which penis and balls are we talking about? We're talking about behemoth balls. Okay. I'm still trying to find it in mine. Mine mine talks, uh, speaks not of the stones of behemoth. Oh, mine says what strength he has in his loins. Mm-hmm. Mm, do tell. And what power in the muscles of his belly? Mm. How how does the extreme teen Bible just totally like after telling us to ogle the miners, it just leaves off the <laughs> behemoth balls? Also, um, the lotuses conceal him in their shadow. The poplars by the stream surround him. <laughs> He's also really good at camouflage. Yeah, behemoth behemoth is all animals, and then leviathan is all sea creatures. Oh, is that true? Like, that's what it stands in for? It's a mashup. Yeah, kind of. Oh, okay. It's a Vol- Voltron. It's a Megazord. Oh, I remember Megazord. So, Job apologizes and repents, but I am still unclear about what precisely he did. Like- so, my Bible <laughs> makes an important note here, because this okay. is a very important passage when Job accepts things here. Okay. Repents is not a good translation of the Hebrew. Okay. And in fact, should be yields. He yields. All right. Like, he is not, he's not going to look for justice anymore in this. Like, he, accept, he accepts the fact that the righteous can be punished for no reason. Okay. He just accepts it. That's, that's, that's what happens show. at the end of it. I mean, that's like in my chronic pain clinic, they mm-hmm. teach us to accept reality and not fight against it. Um, so I can kind of dig that. Yeah, in this case, Job was just given the, the harshest whiplash of all time. I mean, he having... does have, like, chronic pain because of the boils. Oh, yeah. That's well, I point. guess it's actually acute still at this point. I'd agree. It's adorable. <laughs> um, but he certainly has some sort of PTSD, at least, since I it, mean, his yeah. entire world was destroyed. Yeah. He also did just speak with God. That's true, too. God is also... He's mad at the three friends, mm-hmm. too, because they weren't right either. Nobody was right, so they have to make some sacrifices. and Seven bulls, seven rams. Job has to pray for them, and then God gives him double everything. Yes. Okay, so this is a big problem. Okay. <laughs> because this, the fact that at the end of the book, Job gets back double of everything that he lost. Yeah, so he gets 14,000 sheep, mm-hmm. 6,000 camels. That's 12,000 humps? 14, oh, I already said that 1,000 oxen. Yeah. 1,000 asses. Yeah. And... Upgraded daughters. Yeah, okay, so he actually gets the same amount of sons and daughters, seven sons and three daughters but again. But they're upgraded. But these daughters are hot. Extreme. So here's the problem with that. Giving back something twofold uh-huh. is the punishment for theft. What? Or is the, is, the, uh, is the remittance for theft Ooh. in Deuteronomical law. Wow. So God is basically like admitting fault by giving back double. This is, okay, this is... Which is like a theological nightmare of a problem. Well, here's the other nightmare here is that Satan never shows back up. Mm-mm. Right? Like, I'm unclear who won this bet. Job lost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Whoever, whoever wins, we lose. But right? I mean, Alien, like, you know, <laughs> like, we never get a scene where God says, like, oh, hey, Satan, did you notice that Job never cursed me? Um, I was right. I've heard it characterizes a bet so many times without reading it it doesn't seem like a bet to me it just seems like there 
they're using this as like the ultimate theological test case. Mm -hmm. Like, have you seen Job? Like, Job is a righteous ass dude and he's got everything. Okay, so if it's a test case, then Mm -hmm. they each have a hypothesis. Mm -hmm. The devil hypothesizes that Job will curse God Mm -hmm. and God hypothesizes that hypothesizes that he won't. But like, they never tell us who was right. It's it's a draw. Because Job does not actually curse God, but he gets so uppity uh-huh. that it kind of crosses the line in what's cool. Like God has think, to come in. I don't think in. he does cross the line. Okay. Because he I yields, don't understand if he, he does. Yields it's at the it's end. aggro. He's, he gets aggro. He does get very maudlin and very expressive with his cursing of himself. But he also calls, he swears on God's name that he was righteous in all, in all ways, which is a very tricky thing to do mm. because if he's wrong, then God... Like, God is wrong as well. See, this is another theological problem for me because, like, this seems to go against Christianity. But explain like why you think Like, Jesus is supposed to be the only righteous man ever. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is, like, full of sin just by being human. And, like, one of the three friends brought that up, that, like, humans are sinful. But Job says, no, not me. I didn't sin. I was righteous. And that appears to be true, but that... Seems blasphemous to me. Like reading mm-hmm. that, I like felt a an echo of the offense I used to feel so often as a Christian mm-hmm. when things were like against Jesus. Um, I felt I was like, "That's that's not okay to say." Like mm-hmm. I had my offense reaction. It also, I mean, it basically by the end, it sort of confirms that God's main concern is with the like primal things of the world. Like, he doesn't care about human justice or about human righteousness. Mm-mm. He cares about when the mountain goats give birth. <laughs> and other primal facts. But the especially behemoth. that. The behemoth's junk. Very important. He crafted it by <laughs> artisanal The detail junk. is immaculate. Magnifique. But that means that all this stuff they've been saying about, like, how he is concerned with the righteousness of individual people, like the entire story of Israel— like, what does that mean then? Is that the same? Is it the same God? Like, I don't get it because in one sense, he doesn't care. He can recognize righteousness and he applauds it or he seems to like it. I mean, he personally intervenes here. But he personally in- intervenes, but he doesn't answer questions of justice. He doesn't say this was just what was done. To you. This true. was unjust. That's true. All he does is explain what's important to him. But he clearly does care about which humans are righteous because he's the one who brings Job up. That's a good point, too. Satan just says, I was chilling. And God's the one who says, oh, have you seen Job? I don't know. It's it's confusing. Like, it, 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 it's almost like God is unknowable. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the face he wants to put on here. Yeah. But then he goes down in person and is trying to, like, lay this lesson out. So it's settled once and for all. And it doesn't quite do it, does it? No. Especially when he muddies things up at the end by giving back twice what Job lost. Yeah. I don't get how that's related at all. Like, he spends this time explaining that he cares, doesn't care about justice. Like, the individual man is not important in his plan. Then why is justice given when he gets twice back what was stolen from him? Because he likes Job. He's like, he's justified. So that's the God of Israel. That's, yeah. that's what I'm he's used to. He's favored among men. That's what I'm used to. So the, the devil was right. I mean, he's favored among men. He was getting preferential treatment. Of course, Job is not going to doubt you because you singled him out and lifted him up. And the other thing is he has slaves. He has thousands of slaves. Mm, But he treats them well. I mean, like, let's lay a Marxist reading on this for a second. (laughs) He owns thousands of camels. Mm -hmm. He like all the wealth is concentrated. Like he has all the capital. How is he going to be blameless when like there's a servant class, a literal slave class? 
that he's profiting off of directly. I, I have to agree. And I want to show you something. At the end, there's no mention of servants or slaves. He gets everything back, including daughters, but there's no mention oh, of servants and slaves. That's true. And how could a man who speaks the line, and this is in chapter 24, when he says, the poor break their backs for the rich. How could a man who realizes that have servants and slaves like after that? I mean, I think. So do you think this transformed him into a non-slave owner? But I, who's going to take care of those 12,000 humps? Yeah, who's going to shovel all that camel shit? <laughs> who's going to polish his the His hot daughters are going <laughs> to get out there and win. Where's, the, the, where's the call out that's like, picture three beautiful women <laughs> shoveling shit from <laughs> dawn to dusk. Actually, whoa, did you see this? Gross. <laughs> yeah, but, Gross. Um, so look, guys, we are going long. So there's only one thing we have left to do, and that's rate this book oh my god we have to read this book that's right so lauren how would you rate this book i want to give it 500 out of a thousand yoke of oxen wow that's a well we'll see we'll see go ahead go ahead <laughs> um i liked that it was wacky mm -hmm. <laughs> and that there was um all this weird stuff i don't really understand the nuances of the theology that's being debated mm -hmm. here but um i liked that it was like kind of intellectually challenging in that way mm -hmm. um i think it's kind of maybe interesting that like it's unsolvable because that's i guess how things are in real life and if god existed then it makes sense that she would be unsolvable um wow shots fired <laughs> <laughs> but some of the theology seems you know i mean just like clearly wrong from from A, from an atheist point of view, and B, from a Christian point of view. Hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's well, also the, you know, the objectification of women. We've got the nagging wife and the three hot daughters that are better than the other ones because they're hotter. Yeah, they were uggos, so who cares? <laughs> uggo -uzzos. Uh Yeah, so that's my rating. How about you, Nico? I'm going to give this one 99 out of 121 behemoth loins. <laughs> Why are there 121 behemoth loins? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know why. How, how many loins are there? Oh, why? How many loins are there per behemoth? Don't they have two? What are the loins precisely? I don't really have time or interest in going into this right now oh, with okay. you. Okay. Okay. I feel like there's one behemoth in your in your group that is missing a loin. <laughs> it's an odd number. Yeah, things happen. Leviathans <laughs> sometimes get a little bitey right. during the act. Fair. I like how you imagine. Yeah, behemoths are boys and leviathans are girls. So. <laughs> Everyone knows. Um, okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, continue. I will give it top marks for the quality of the poetics in the book. Mm -hmm. I think the writing is the best we've seen in the Bible so far. Hmm. Well, it's it's up there with the best, at least. Yeah. I'd also say that the atmosphere of like taking these ideas seriously of like interrogating these theological questions like within the book is very interesting like usually it's just like presents an, a story and then yeah. it's up to other people to interpret it mm -hmm. this one makes the conversation the foreground the discourse the, the discourse nico doesn't know about the discourse oh the discourse i give it top marks for that because that's great and i think it's like in terms of how interesting it is and how uh it like sort of coheres as a as a work i think it's like above almost all the other bible books it's we've got read that so far. sandwich mm -hmm. literary structure mm, it's a club sandwich <laughs> club med i don't know what i'm talking or about or is it club fed 
All right. Well, that's weird. <laughs> but I, I really like it. I really, really, really like it. Really? I think it sticks out above all the other Bible stuff as like almost a category unto itself. It's like, it seems like a real piece of, it's a real piece of work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's Joan Rivers. <laughs> Job Rivers. <laughs> Job Rivers, a real piece of work. Got it. So far out of everything else that we've read, this feels like it deserves to be reread more than anything else mm. we've read. I think that's fair. Greg, what is what is your rating? Well, I just want to say that unnamed ancient author mm-hmm. who knew the Uzites, you had one job and you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to rate this book 11 out of 13 jeering street boys. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Audiences agree. Are they all riding skateboards holding crabs? <laughs> yeah. They all have crabs and they're riding skateboards. <laughs> the important thing is that they don't talk to elisha and tell him to go on up your bald oh head. yeah he'll set some <laughs> she bears on him real quick yeah no they they are uh, evading she bears um but i agree with nico um this is lyrically enthralling i mean especially the mitchell version that i read mm-hmm. and the skateboard extreme teen bible version i read still not, cannot, not bad yeah it can't dampen the, the the just wonderful lyricism this is one of the most cohesive uh books in the bible that i read and it was actually a pleasure to read, and I like the theology here. I grew up in a household where we discussed theological issues. Sounds fun. Sounds riveting. Mm-hmm. It's uh, better than my household where we did not discuss that. <laughs> it was laid down. Yeah. I mean, this this was— uh, We and, discussed geological issues where I grew up. Oh, that rocks. <laughs> um, that and, was so fast. Uh, that's what she said. And that's it. Okay. Okay. So— that is going to do it for our episode. Hey, uh, Greg. Yes. Where can people find you? Uh, well, hopefully they don't find me, but they can read my stuff at Luduke Violet uh, at Twitter. Um, yeah. At Twitter.com yeah, slash Luduke Violet. If you have any pictures of behemoth loins, throw them my way. Yeah, do not send them to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the mood. Any ones that you had queued up for Lauren, shoot them over to me. Um, 121 of them. Yeah. I, I have a bunch of projects coming up, but uh, when does this air? No, I'm just kidding. That's what people say, so I just said it, but it's not true. You can find us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. You can also find us on Facebook by looking for Sunday School Dropouts. And you can email us, uh, contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Coincidentally... <laughs> That's also our website. And uh, we would like to thank Elise Carlton, as always, for our beautiful logo. And uh, Nico, as well, for his amazing sound engineering. And uh, and I'm on Twitter at, at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille. And I'm still not on Twitter. Yet. But maybe listeners can convince him otherwise. And he can join us and learn all about the discourse <laughs> and Funko Pop figurines. So Funko Pop vinyl sounds like a really kitschy, like used record store that would go out of business in like three months after opening that's sort of the aesthetic mm-hmm. okay uh yeah that's not far off so why do i need to be on twitter again if i'm fucking hitting it out of the park every single time like this um that's exactly why we need you we need you <laughs> <laughs> we need you so that people will send loin pictures to someone other than me uh, okay well we'll keep talking about loin pictures off the air all right because uh- <laughs> Because that's important to us, but we understand that it may not be for all of our listeners. True. This has been another episode of Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And I'm Greg. And we will see you next Sunday. Bye. Bye. Bye.